Welcome to Lindsay Lane. I would like to open with a scripture, if I may. That's right. Israel is facing the Ammonites, the Moabs, and uh, Mount Seir. And they cried out to God, Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. The Spirit of the Lord came upon one of them men standing there. His name was Jehaziel. He said to the Israelites, Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. And I want you to take this to your own life. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. I don't know what that battle is before you, but whatever it is, it belongs to the Lord. And you can bow on your knees and give it to him. Amen. Let's all stand together as we sing, The Battle Belongs to You, God. Let this song be an encouragement to you today that he is in control. And you don't have to face your battles.
shine in the shadows, you win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Oh, Almighty force for us. Nothing can suck against our God. You shine in the shadows. seated. God bless you for being here this morning. What a joy to be in the Lord's house and to understand that truth that the battle does belong to the Lord. And I hope you're taking all of your needs to the Lord in prayer today and doing battle uh, on your knees, as that song says. But we're delighted that you're here with us today at Lindsay Lane Baptist Church. Uh, I want to just say a special word of welcome. If you're a guest of ours today, uh, we're especially proud to have you with us. And uh, we want you to feel at home and welcomed here. Uh, in the back of your pew, there's a little card that says Connect Card. And if you would be so kind as to take that card and fill it out and just to let us know that you were here. Uh, we're not going to send an army to your house or anything like that, but we'd just like to have a record of you being with us today. And if you'd be kind enough to do that for us, we would certainly appreciate that. Uh, we can certainly give you more information about Lindsay Lane Baptist Church, but uh, if you take a moment, fill out that Connect card. If you have a prayer, any of you that have a prayer need and you want to write that on the back of that card and share that with our staff, we'd be honored to pray with you. Uh, we'll be doing that tomorrow. We pray over each and every card that we get individually and just lifting up uh, your needs and the needs of this church before the Lord. We're honored to do that as your staff. And so if you want to share a prayer need with us, you can certainly fill that out and just drop it off in the offering containers out in the foyers. There's one in each of the main foyers as you leave today, and so you can certainly drop those off there. And uh, again, we'd encourage you to uh, drop your offerings off there as well. Uh, we believe that we're a giving church here at Lindsay Lane. God has blessed us through the years as, he's, as we give our resources and we bring our tithes and offerings to the storehouse. Uh, he allows us to have a vision of reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we want to encourage you to give this morning as God would lead. Our offering containers, again, are out in the foyers, and you can give by dropping them off there. You can give online by texting LLBC to 73256, or you can give through our website at lindsaylane.org. But we want, I want to uh, just encourage you to be faithful in every area of your life. Again, this morning, we're privileged to uh, continue our time of worship uh, 
with the celebration of baptism this morning. So we're delighted uh, to be able to, to baptize again this morning. And so Pastor Andy John, I believe, is coming to share with us in baptism. So you join us as we celebrate baptism together. Good morning. Welcome in. Good to see everybody here at Lindsay Lane today. And uh, we're glad for you to be here. And this, I believe, is our, this will be, after these baptisms, our sixth in the month of August. And so we praise God for how he continues to work in the life of people. And I uh, want to let you know if, if it's something that you're thinking about, that you need to take the next steps of baptism, we want to talk to you about that. And uh, we're, we're so thankful for how the Lord continues to work. Uh, baptizing today, too, a mother and son. And the first up is Gabe Glass. Come on down, Gabe. Gabe is super excited. And I'm super excited for you, bud. You got it? Come on in, man. All right, Gabe. Sit right there and face your mama right there. There you go. Hey, you can look out there. It's totally fine. Look at him. Hey, are y'all for this young man? Amen. That's right. Gabe, they're clapping because they're super proud of your decision to follow Jesus Christ. Gabe, have you called upon the name of the Lord Jesus to be saved? Amen. Well, based upon that profession of faith, I now baptize you as my brother in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Ready? There you go. Amen. Gabe can swim. I can see that. (laughs) That's awesome. Gabe Gabe held his breath long enough to stay under there for a minute and a half. (laughs) Proud of you, Gabe. Come on down, Kelly. This is Kelly Beach. Kelly, I know this is a big day for you in more than one way. And uh, super excited for you, super proud for you. Have you called upon the name of the Lord Jesus to be saved? Amen. And based upon that profession, I now baptize you as my sister in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Awesome. Let's pray together. Lord, what an honor it is to begin the worship service this way. Lord, you continue to work and to draw people to yourself. And God, I pray for many more, Lord, that we would yield to what you are trying to do in our life. Lord, we thank you for making a way for us to be right with you through the blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the hope of eternal life that we have in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I pray today, O God, that your spirit would guide us all into truth as we seek to learn to know you more. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. He is the reason we have hope, the reason we sing, the reason we have joy, the reason we have victory, all because of the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's sing that. He's the reason. There's a reason I can sing. There's a reason for this life one name above all names, Jesus, yes, it's Jesus. There's a reason for this
praise team appreciate the time that they put in they don't come in here to lead y'all in singing they come in here to lead you in worship amen we are called out of the world and into the church to lift up praise and lift up each other and send out influence today we are going to continue the thought of sending out influence and what God would do in your life towards the ministry that he would call you to I'm going to speak today just a little bit about vision but today is a two-part series about vision. This is the first part. The second part will be in October. So you need to make sure you're here between now and then and make sure you come in October. Um, as the Lord made it clear to me yesterday in the 11th hour that it was time to wait just a minute 
uh, and to let some things pass until we're able to communicate more vision uh, from this position. So thank you again for being here today. My name is Andy John King. I'm the lead pastor here, and we welcome you to Lindsay Lane Baptist Church. If you've been here for five minutes or five years, uh, we're so glad to see you today and, and hope that you are doing well. You can take your Bibles and turn to Nehemiah. Never be afraid to turn to the table of contents if you want to do that. Uh, you can turn to the table of contents and turn to uh, Nehemiah if you need to bring up on your phones or tablets. And as you are turning there, I want to ask you two very important questions. Two very important questions, and I hope that you will consider these questions for yourself personally in your status with God, your walk with God, relationship with God. The first question is this. What is important to you that is important to God? If you write down and take notes, take that note. What is important to you personally that is important to God? Secondly, what will you do and who will it influence? What will you do and who will it influence? In Nehemiah chapter 1, you have Nehemiah who's an Israelite and a representative of God serving in a foreign government. He's serving in the foreign government because Jerusalem had been destroyed by the Babylonian Empire about 115 years before his service to now the Persian Empire. And after a couple of restorative efforts from guys like him, a couple of restorative efforts from previous prophets, Nehemiah then hears a report that the city that is God's city and the city that houses to house God's people are still far from restoration. They are still a ways off from what God had in mind, that God was to lead them to the promised land. The Israelites were to be there. Through the Israelites, he would be a blessing to the world that would eventually be Jesus. And, and that city was to bear his namesake. And it was supposed to be a sturdy, stable place of influ influence for his glory. But when his brothers come to see him in chapter 1, verse 3, this is what we find out in their report. Things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Well, this bothers him and it ought to bother him. When God's people and God's places are not doing well, it ought to bother God's people. And so this bothers Nehemiah because after all, the Israelites are God's people and God's promises are to be fulfilled through them. And this bother to him becomes a burden. And this run-down city and, and the people that are in it and who they are to be, it leads him to the point where he would pray and then he would seek permission from the Persian king to return to his hometown, return to Jerusalem, and rebuild the city walls. He was going back to lead a revitalization effort that would spiritually renew the people. And it would begin with a vision to rebuild a city wall. So what started as a burden led to a vision. The question that I have been asked by you since I've been here that outweighs any question that has been asked more than any other question is what is your vision for our church? What is your vision for Lindsay Lane? Some of you asked me that within 30 seconds of being voted in. And so that question is appropriate and here's why that question is appropriate is because our church has a culture of vision. 
Our church has a culture of a godly leader asking the Lord where he would want us to go and answering that question and casting it clearly. So towards the end of today, we're going to touch on vision for just a moment before we actually cast it in October. Before we get there, I want to ask you a question. What is your vision for ministry? You ask me, I'm going to ask you. What is your vision for ministry? What personally is God working up within your heart and your context towards a concern that would be a burden that would lead towards vision and then eventually towards ministry? What is God doing in your life? What is important to you that is important to God? And what will you do and who will it influence? Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would make your Bible plain today. God, if we are here, that we would be here on purpose, listening and open to what your Spirit is working in our heart and what your Word is teaching us. Pray, O oh God, that you continue to speak to me. Speak to all of us, Lord, for there is much to do before heaven. Lord, that we would work for your glory and the good of man together. In Jesus' name, amen. Nehemiah's personal vision and his venture to rebuild a wall began with a context. What is your context? What is your background? What has been your experiences? Because when Nehemiah heard that things were not going well for his people, and in fact the scripture says that, that the, the city was in trouble, yes, but also that they were a disgrace. You see, walls can't be a disgrace. Gates can't be a disgrace. What he's speaking of is the people of God are looked at as disgraceful. And when Nehemiah hears this, there was a conviction from his context. There was an emotion that bubbled up. These were God's people, and God's people were his people. So it affected the way that he saw the world from that point forward. This was personal, and it was important. Remember the question I asked you? What is important to you that is important to God? Let me tell you something. God's people are important to God. People are important to God. So what is your vision? What is your mission in ministry? It's going to involve people. And what's important to you will likely be influenced by your background, by what you've gone through, by what you've seen, by what you've experienced, by how you were reared and how you grew up. So his background began to shape his foreground. His background began to shape what he saw as important in the world. And for years, what had been a, a solid city and what was to be a solid, solid city that represented the Lord's name, that was supposed to be protected and the people would be proud of, now it became vulnerable and the very walls that guard it are down and the gates have burned up. The thing that is supposed to be protecting them and an entrance to them has now gone away. And then we see in chapter 1, verse 6, just how personal it is for Nehemiah as he feels responsibility to pray to the Lord on behalf of the vision that God is giving him. And he says in chapter 1, verse 6, Listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. This is a father and a husband praying on behalf of his family, praying on behalf of a people. 
You see, the plight of, of Israel, as you read through the Old Testament, it was relative to flirting with false gods and even mixing the one true God and with all these other little lowercase g gods that don't even exist. And their disobedience was to plain commands that God had given them. And they were wavering and they were unfaithful. And these were God's people. Well, this was his people. And so as it begins to process what's going on, then he begins to have within his context a concern for what he must do moving forward. And regardless of whether or not he was in the generation that was sent into exile or the one that would come back, he was in. This was relative to him. When need becomes personal, that's when we will feel a responsibility to be part of the change. When need, let me say it again. When need becomes personal is when we feel a responsibility to be part of the change. Church, let, let me interrupt your weekly grind for just a minute. Around us at this very moment is sickness. Around us at this very moment are floodwaters and more floodwaters to come. There is persecution in our world Persecution that the world can be a part of easing and helping and praying for. But none of these things will be changed from the scope of the church until it becomes personal to me and to you. Until we quit swiping by and letting somebody else handle that. And when we see persecution in foreign lands, we think we can't do anything about that. Hold on just a minute because basically what most of these leaders are asking of us is to pray for the people of Afghanistan. Well, can you do that? You won't do it till it becomes personal. Until you take in the thought that there are people being persecuted out of their homes and into the streets. Until we think about our family being that family, we will not bow our head before God for something that we know is important to God. Until it becomes personal, there will be no thought of making a difference within our life and our family until we get to that point. Everett Swanson was on a preaching tour in South Korea in the 1950s, post the, the Korean War, and he encountered the poverty of Korea's unwanted children. He saw so much need and so much poverty with them that when he returned to the States, he knew he had to do something. And so when he got back home, he established a program that would involve caring people from the church that would make provision and even send Christian training for Korean orphans. Well, today that program operates in 25 different countries and sponsors over 1 million people for that program is now Compassion International. It started with one man's experience. And he figured from there that what's important to him that he knew was important to God, he would do something with it that would make a better day for people. So let me ask you, where do you come from? What is your background? What experiences have you had, good or bad? What experiences have you had that would contribute to what you care about? And I mean care about outside of yourself. Care about outside of our homes. Care about that's in this world that would make a better day for someone else. And for some of us, we haven't had enough experiences yet. Because we're so within our 9 to 5 and what we do that the thought of an opportunity to do something different for the glory of God and the good of man, we can't work it in because we're too busy. That's a separate sermon. You see, vision, vision for a better day for somebody else, it will not be compelling until it's compelling to you. Think about where you come from and how 
God could use you for His glory and for a better day for someone else. And listen, if there is no experience with Jesus, if there is, I'm not talking about a church background. I'm talking about a right and real walking relationship with Almighty God through faith in Jesus and repentance of sin. If that is not in your background, there's no wonder why you don't care about any of these things. In order for us to care about God's glory and making a difference so that people will bust heaven wide open instead of being separated from Him, there has to be a change in our heart and that only happens when we are right with God, placing faith in Jesus and then the Spirit of God comes into us and begins to make us care for what God cares about. I mean, if there's nothing different happening in your life for God's glory, it's likely because there is no context of Christ. And that's something only you know. And listen, it's not all right, but it's all right. And what I mean by that, it's not all right because your sin keeps you separate from God. That's the truth of God's word. But it's all right because that's where you are right now when you're underneath hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news is, is that you can be saved today. And you're probably thinking, I'm not walking that aisle. Man, don't walk this aisle then. You drop your head right where you are and call upon the name of the Lord the best way you know how. If you recognize that you're a sinner... And that you need God and realize and trust that Jesus did for you what you could not do for yourself. Why don't you go ahead right now where you are in the quietness of your heart and call upon the name of God. And trust that Jesus has paid the price for your sin. And then just let us know about it because you need to move forward from there. Because we need to help you. What is in your context? What is in your background? That God is going to use to do something special to make a better day for someone else around you for God's glory. The second thing that we see in Nehemiah is a concern. There was a concern. This was not just a context that he was from. This, this context that would lead to a vision between that was a concern. Listen, a concern that would not let him go. If you look in chapter 1, verse 4. Chapter 1, verse 4 says that when Nehemiah heard the report from his brothers, he said, I sat down and I wept. And Now, if you've ever wept before... Crying and weeping are two different things. Weeping is something that's so deep in your heart, you've got no, no choice but to cry. That it, There's a deep care and concern. And when he hears this, that the glory of God is being diminished and the people of God are, are, are being cast down like they're nothing, it begins to cause so much in his heart that he sits down and he weeps. And then the Bible says, in fact, for days... For days I mourned and fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. You see, this context, which led to concern, is one that would not let him go. For days he prayed. For days he fasted and mourned. Nehemiah wasn't just like, gosh, that's bad news. I hate to hear that. All right, I've got to get on back here to the king. No, no, no. It was something that stopped him in his tracks, and it stopped him again and again, and the next days after that. And he prayed he prayed for days. What did he pray? The scripture says he prayed, you are the covenant God. We have sinned against you. Remember your promises to your people. Give me favor with the king of Persia because I'm about to do something and I want to do something that makes a difference. He's not just saying, sorry, Lord. I sure hope you can fix the problem. Let us know what you need. Amen. You see, this is different kind of praying. It's, the, it's not the prayer of a righteous man that availeth much. It's the earnest prayer of a righteous man that availeth much. That's different than just the quick prayer. And there's nothing wrong with them either. But there are times when God is putting something on our heart that we must take back to Him in prayer. 
so that we will begin to continue the work that God would will in us. I've read this. If prayer is not needed to accomplish the vision, your vision is too small. If you don't need prayer for what you think God is doing in your heart towards the forward movement of your ministry, then your vision and your, your mission is too small. I read where Billy Graham had the evangelistic crusades and thousands of people got saved and thousands of people packing in to this great event where they're sharing the word. And, and then there was also people appointed that would lead prayer times during these appointed events. And one of those guys said, we would be in those prayer tents on our knees in the sawdust until one or two in the morning. And that if those prayer tents filled up and there was no place available to kneel, the people would just start going to local churches and pray. If, if we are not invested in praying for that which we say we care about, we don't really care about it. In fact, what I'm telling you that is whatever is important to you that is important to God is not important to you unless you take it to God. So stop talking about how it is, oh, it just breaks your heart. Does it? If it does, then we would then take it to the Lord to see what He would have us to do about it. Whatever is important to you that is important to God is not important to you if you do not take it to God in prayer. When we pray, we factor God into His own work. What is the concern that will not let you go? What is something that even if you tried, because you don't think that God could use you in that? What is something that even if you tried, that you don't even think you're qualified for that? What is something that keeps coming back up from your context to your concern that you know God would have you play a part in making a difference in a better day for somebody else for His glory? And did you notice His request, the last half of verse 11? Last half of verse 11, as He is praying, Nehemiah prays and He says, O oh Lord... Please hear my prayer and listen to the prayers of those who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it in his heart to be kind to me. Now, he's ready to move. He's not just going to leave it in prayer. He's ready to move. But remember, he is a foreign Christian to a foreign government. And he is about to go and approach the king. Y'all, there's something we don't understand about that. We, we don't know what it's like to approach a king who has absolute authority that can say, off with his head at any moment. But he knows this, and Nehemiah is praying for God to give him favor before the king because Nehemiah is a cupbearer. And what that means is, is he tests out the food and the drink before he gets to the king to make sure that it's not poison. He's like a secret service member. In fact, what I've read of cupbearers, it's not just like they're taking a drink and passing on. They are confidants of authoritarians. They would be trusted, and I mean heavily trusted. So for a cupbearer to go to the king of Persia and say, I need to leave for a long time, is a little bit suspicious. So you need to get out of here, do you? Now why is that? So he knows as he is praying for God to, to put kindness in the heart of the king... He knows that if he does not, then he may receive more meanness than kindness. Y'all listen. This is when you know it's really important. This is when you know what God is putting in your heart has now become important to you because you are now ready to move on it, come what may. This is how you know when you are ready to actually make a difference and move because what is familiar 
is not important. And even what is safe is okay for you to lay aside for the glory and the will of Almighty God who saves your soul and puts you into heaven. So now what the church needs today is leaders and men and women and young people. Did you hear that? Young people who will determine what the will of God is for their life and accomplish the purpose of God with their life, come what may. I'm going to guarantee you, if God's putting something on your heart, He's going to move you a little bit. It's not going to be able to be one of those things we want to see. Let's look at our daily schedule, see if we can work it in. No, God's priority anyway. So what is important to you that is important to God? You can start figuring that out by what's important in your context and your background and your experiences and what grips your heart to the place where God will not let it go and you can't either. And what will you do and who will it influence? Because vision can't just be ideas. At some point, y'all, it's got to be a mission. At some point, we've got to quit talking about what we're going to do. I, I need to, I need to, I need to, I need to. Come on. At, at some point, it's just a vision. The thing that you know you need to do, do it. For if God is putting it on your heart and it's something that God agrees with, it's important to you, it's important to God, you're going to have to make an adjustment within the logistics of your life so that you can accomplish the will of God for your life. Man, write that down. That was good. <laughs> Praise God that he speaks. A cause. Let's talk about a cause. This is important when considering what to do with what's important to you. Nehemiah's cause was tied to what God wanted to do to begin with. Sometimes I think we, need to, we want to use our creative juices to come up with something brand new that's never been thought about. And it may be a new idea or a new ministry, but I guarantee it's already tied to the will of God if you are in Christ. Nehemiah is not coming up with something. There was two guys before him that did the same thing. And they tried to do very much what he is doing. So if your cause that you would even take up right now, and y'all listen to this, because a lot of Christians at this moment and in this day and time are taking up a lot of causes, but I'm not sure if they're godly or they're good. We're beginning to take up a lot of things in the name of God, but we don't talk about Him a whole lot when we're fronting for Him. And it's not very inclusive to all people that need Jesus. So when you think about what it is, the cause that you're tied to, is that cause tied to His commandments and His commissioning? Is what your cause is tied to an effort that would reach out to people so that they may receive the love and grace and mercy of Jesus Christ? And to understand the truth of God, that they are separate from Him in His sin, is what you are passionate about. It may be a good work, but it also may not be a godly work. It could be something that you are completely giving your life to. But if it's not tied to the will of God or the plans of Jesus and the Great Commission and to be His witnesses, it's a good work, but it may not be a godly work. Vision is really just an idea that God came up with already. That's a new emphasis that is tied to the work of Jesus. In chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, the Bible says, Please remember what you told your servant Moses. Now, this is another sermon too, but what Nehemiah is about to do is he is about to pray to God, quoting Scripture that he knows is already within the will of God. Christian, 
If you really want to know if what you're doing is important to God, it will line up with the Word of God. But sometimes we don't know because we don't know it. I say this all the time. If you are one of those that would be like, you know what, I don't know enough, then know enough. Then know enough. We already have the places and people in place. We have the programs in place for you to study the Word of God, to study it together, to help you study it on your own. This is the Word of life, the source of truth, the standard for living, the riverbanks, the guardrails, what we need, a light into our feet, a lamp into our path. I think I had those switched, but you know what I mean. This is the Word of God. And Nehemiah knew it. He knew it. And so when he begins to pray, he says, if you are, listen, he says, remember what you said, God. I know that you said this. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. Jerusalem was the place for God's name to be honored. Nehemiah is not actually telling the Lord, you've forgotten about this one, Lord. God don't forget. He doesn't forget what he said. What he's telling him is this. I am willing to be a part of what you've already said is your will. Within that, would you give me favor before the king? I remember the handkerchief this time. And a mask. What else is back here? I don't even know. He is praying, because of what you said, because of what you have said to your people in your word, give me favor with this king so that I can carry out your vision for me. Based on what you said and what you've put in on my heart, would you make a way for me to serve in this capacity? Nehemiah asked in verse 5, if it please the king... And if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. This is what he said to the king of Persia. I want to go back and I want to rebuild the wall that surrounds and protects the city that belongs to our God. And so the vision of Nehemiah is to rebuild the wall that protects. But listen, Nehemiah's focus was more on rebuilding the people than on rebuilding the wall. It was his desire for them to no longer be a disgrace, for this was the people of God. And so his vision was tied to the vision of God that, that would build up that which would become his people, that would become in the future the church. Nehemiah's focus was more on rebuilding the people. And when Nehemiah began to rally the Jewish leaders, as he gets back to Jerusalem, king gives him paper, write a passage, go on back. As he gets there, he finds opposition but he also finds support. And as we cast vision, I, be, I, I bet that there's going to be a little bit of opposition and a lot of support. Don't find yourself being in spiritual opposition to what God would do. You'll find yourself on the outside looking in of a, something way bigger than yourself for selfish reasons. As he gets back, he goes to the, the people of Jerusalem, the leaders there, and he says to them in chapter 2, verse 17, But now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Disgrace. God's people were vulnerable. They were ashamed. They were weak. 
there were two guys that were ruling over them that were Persian representatives. They were subject to the Persian king. You had a foreign king ruling over God's people. And God's people under this foreign rule made them a disgrace because they were underrepresented. They were underserved. They were marching by the beat of the Lord's drum because they were answering to somebody else. So the practical outworking of rebuilding a wall was for the spiritual revitalization of God's people. Chapter 4, verse 9 says, But we prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. I love this part. It's so small, but it's so powerful. Chapter 4, verse 9 says, But we prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. As they began to rebuild, there was opposition. And the most important, powerful word in chapter 4, verse 9 is we. Because in chapter 1, he's the only guy praying. In chapter 4, we all praying. You see that? What are you going to do and who will it influence? What's important to you that's important to God? What will you do about it and who will it influence? Chapter 1, he's just praying. He starts there. Then he goes and casts the vision. And there's opposition, but there's also a lot of support. And now it's not just him praying for what God would have him to do. It's a whole lot of folks praying for what God would have them to do for his glory. Y'all, we can touch every need we need to in this church if everybody will volunteer and serve. This is the way it is. What's important to you? Is important to God. With your concern, what will you do? Who will it influence? When will your vision become a mission? That's the end of the message. Let me talk a little bit about what God's doing in my life towards the leadership of this church. The Lord continues. I'm, I have been y'all for like a year and a half. When people started asking me that question, I thought. I'm, I'm not going to try to make something up. I get real simple real quick. Lord, what is the vision you would have for our church? I'm just asking. Do you know the Bible says in James 1.5, if you need wisdom, if you lack wisdom, if you'll ask God, he'll give it to you. Be glad that you asked him. So I'm just like a child. Lord, give me an answer to all these questions. What is it that you would have us to do as a church for your glory and for the good of man? And I've been praying this for a long time, and I've been asking God to help me see what I need to see as a leader on behalf of us. And as I've waited, I became kind of impatient. Y'all ever get that way, or I'm the only one? Became kind of impatient. It's been about a year, and I'm praying, and I'm going, God, what is it? What is it that you want us to do? What is it that you'd have us to see? I begin to become impatient, and then this is really what I begin to think. I guess it's some big effort we need to do, or maybe we need to build something. Maybe we need to build a building. And y'all are probably thinking like, is that what you came up with? <laughs> but when I've not heard from the Lord, the temptation is to then turn within yourself and start going, this is what I can come up with. Gosh, we do that so much with all different kinds of things. Instead of just waiting on the Lord. And, and so part of the answer that God gave me, now I, I really am very slow to say things like God told me. But I do know when the Spirit of God is working in my life. In faith, this is what the Lord wanted me to see first while I was asking that question. Where is it that you want us to go? This is the scripture he led me to after praying. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 2, first part of 2. If someone aspires to be a church leader, he desires an honorable position. So a church leader must be a man whose life is above reproach. Before working on vision... 
God wanted to make sure of my character. It could be that you are rip-roaring, ready to go. You want to do something great for God. I mean, you, you want to get started and you want to be a part of the things that you see are the hard things and you don't know if you'd ever be able to do those things. But it could be what's important to you that's important to God is a development of your character to lay a foundation for the development of your ministry. If you are in that stage of your Christianity where you are thinking, I want to do great things for God that make a difference for His glory and for the people around me, but you know you need a foundation, do not skip that step. Don't skip it. Be around other people who are studying the Word. Begin to read the Word for yourself. Read it and study it with other people. Be in front of the Word. Begin to take steps with people that are doing the things that you think that you would like to do in the future. Go and shadow them right now. Go and ask them, can you ask them some questions? Can you go along with them? If God needs to lay a foundation, if the foundation is important to you, you know it's important to God, let Him develop that within you so that then He will give you a vision for ministry. Well, let's talk about cosmetic changes. Why are we talking about it? Because that's something on the dashboard. Nehemiah, I want you to hear this very plainly. Nehemiah did not build a wall so that people would come. Nehemiah built a wall because people were already there. It's it's strange to think that if we will put a church sign up there on that road, people will start coming in because we got a blinking light out there. We put a church sign out there, and that's not something new that we've done. Some of you that are first-time visitors, you're like, y'all just got a church sign? No, it's been out there for a long time. There's information on that sign because y'all are already here. We want you to know what's there. And so if you see any changes within the things that you see that are highly visual and highly trafficked, it's not because we think that these things are going to reach people. It's because people are already here. And with that, let me quote a verse of Scripture from Ecclesiastes 10.10. When an axe is used long enough, it's time to sharpen the blade at some point. That's all that is. If you use an axe long enough, you need to sharpen the blade so it stays sharp. As far as Lindsay Lane goes, we have a main campus here. We have two other campuses, East Campus and Harvest, North Campus and Elkmont. And God is having new growth at all three of them. We each face challenges. We face challenges with our facilities. There's different challenges, but they're growing. And these that are the East Campus and the North Campus, we are responsible as it sits right now to make sure that we help them grow the kingdom of God as well. Amen to that. Amen to that. Y'all, our campuses reach people that we would not reach otherwise. You know that? And maybe it's just because I've come from one of them. But there are people that we were able to get in the doors there that you would not get in the doors here. How so? Well, some of it's just proximity. They're not going to drive 30 minutes to get over here. They're going to drive 10 to get in there. So thank God for the vision of a godly leader that led us in that direction. And I'm glad it has our name on the sign because together we can make a big difference for the glory of God in this part of the world. Send out a lot of influence from this part of the world. We have a responsibility to them. They have godly leaders there that are on board and unified with us and we meet with and talk with regularly. And they are working together with us to reach out for the glory of God and the good of man together. So thank God for them. And we have a responsibility to them. And there are things practically that we need to do. But y'all, as we think about practically updating things that you see here, know that the Spirit of God does not indwell a window or a wall or a pew. The Spirit of God indwells the people of God. People reach people. What's important to you? Is what's important to you important to God? 
It's not the facilities that reach people. It's the ones called out of the world into the church to lift up praise, lift up each other, and send out influence. So from my view, updates on our campus, and this is a way of casting vision because it's not over in October. I really want you to hear the rest of it. From my view, updates on this campus is not really vision. It's just necessary. It's just things that are needed. Don't need to try to be outlandish. But we want to continue to stay up to date as we move through time. And this point was made by another speaker this week. Y'all may think, they're talking to those older folks. It's the younger folks just as much as it is the older folks. We all hang on to the things we hang on to. We are built by preferences. And if you move or change our preferences, we will deal with you. It's fine by me, but just don't change anything in your house. No, oh, I'm meddling now, aren't I? I'm meddling now. All right, I will move on. <laughs> I hadn't been here that long. <laughs> Finally, I want you to understand this. Truly, 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 there is no vision. There is no vision that is a right vision that does not lead to Jesus. There is no vision that is a right vision from any Christian leader that does not align with the Great Commission and lead to Jesus. Nehemiah, I want you to understand this. He ends, if you read all of Nehemiah, and we'll revisit this in October, he ends with the people of God. You know how this story ends in the end of Nehemiah? They're wavering again. They're marrying foreigners, which at the time God was like, don't do that. Because when, you, when you're bringing in the foreign influence to my influence, you're going to let them in. And, and then they're violating Sabbath laws. And Nehemiah has not given up the good work. He's not quit. But they're beginning to waver. And so if you look at that, you may think, well, wait. Why? It, so if they rebuilt the wall and redid the gate, did it even matter? Did it really even matter in the grand scheme of things? That he's not giving up the work, but what good is the work? Well, of course it did. It's work for the glory of God and the good of man. It just wasn't the climax. This is what you've got to understand. The building project was not the culmination of God's blessing. It was the heart project. It was what God was going to do for the people that they thought they did not need for themselves. You see, when God sent Jesus, Jesus would not free them from a tyrannical government rule. He would free them from something even worse, themselves. He would free them from the weight of their sin that kept them apart from God. The culmination of the whole thing is the arrival, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus that would accomplish the kingdom of God. And then the Spirit of God in the life of those who would trust in Jesus within the kingdom of God begins to change our stony, stubborn heart and give us a new, tender, responsive heart, as it says in Ezekiel 36, 26. This was not about rebuilding a wall. This was not about rebuilding the gate. This was about rebuilding their heart. What's important to you that's important to God? What is it? And what will you do, and who will it influence? As we leave today, I, wanna, I want you to know this. I can tell you for certain what's important to God is that you be right with God. There's no need for you to think about vision, mission, ministry, anything else today. 
if there's a question in your head and in your heart of whether or not you are right with God. Y'all, if there's sin there, sin always separates. As one pastor said, wherever there is sin, a death occurs. And so it could be that your, your relationship with God needs revitalization because there's more sin in there than it is sanctification. So I, I know what's important to God begins with the foundation of you need to be right with God and real with God. Stop walking around putting on airs like you've been a Christian for all these years. You had talked to him in 10 years. I know where we live. This can be our culture that sometimes we come into church and everybody knows us, but they don't know what's going on with inside of us. Be an example for them and lay your pride down and let God work on you. Be vulnerable and willing to let the Spirit of God lead you. I'm going to tell you right now, the guy that's standing right up here, I need God. And I'm not ashamed to tell you. Because if I stay within myself, I'll be separate from God real quick and for a long time. So, so count on those that you know that you can count on and share with them that you're in this place where there is a question mark in your heart and mind. And what's important to you right now is knowing that you are right with God. For the rest of us, if you know what's important to you, you understand your context, it's become a concern, answer that second question. How will you move? Because what moves you will move you. How will you move? Let's stand to our feet. Lord, I'm thankful. I'm thankful, oh God, that you don't stop working on us. I, I really truly believe, oh Lord, that before all of us, every day, for those that are in Christ, your spirit will not let us go. For the things that you value. For the truth that you're trying to teach us. Oh Lord, we, we need you, oh God. We freely admit that we need you. Lord, across the room right now, if there is one or many that in the quietness of their own heart need to call upon your name to be saved, that right now, in this moment, they would do so. Lord, if there are those that understand the need for new experiences or for what you've brought them through and how you are changing them and shaping them towards ministry, Lord, I pray that they would tell you yes that they would begin to ask questions and that they would not suppress it. Lord, I pray that your word would inspire us towards vision, but it would not end in vision. It would lead to ministry and mission. Help us now to respond, Lord, if we need to be baptized, that we would let somebody know that if we need to ask questions and receive counseling, that there are people here, God, that we would trust that you are working Lord, whatever we need, however we need to respond, this is the time, and I pray, oh God, that we would do just that. In Jesus' name, amen. This altar is open for you. We have counselors here. We have pastors here. We have people that would love to talk with you today. Or you can pass right on by us and go straight to this altar and talk to the Lord. Amen. Let's respond in this time.
be seated just for a moment. I want to let you know the invitation does not end as we end the uh, song, but I'll be right out through those double doors right there. If you want to join the church, if you want to respond to a call to ministry, you need to be saved. We'll be around. Uh, we've got new members class. Lindsay Lane 101 is coming up today. We'll tell you about that in just a moment. But we have a special offering we take every October that funds our missions budget for the year. It's October the 3rd. It's Give to Go Missions Offering. I want you to watch a video on that. Hello, we're Randy and Regina Wood, and we went on a mission trip to Chungwe, Zambia, in Africa um, for a Bible translation. Randy and I had um, been a part of the ELA translation project that the church did um, for the ELA people, and um, we decided to continue in that mission field by supporting um, Bible translation. And we selected the Soli people and um, Seed Company contacted us, asked us if we would like to go for the dedication ceremony in um, Changwe. And so that was back in 2018 and um, it was a wonderful experience. One of the biggest impacts when we were on the mission trip was, for me anyway, was driving in the Chungwe, uh, it was hour, hour and a half drive, uh, but as we got closer to uh, the village, we started seeing people walking on the side of the roads in suits, uh, coming to the celebration, and it was, it was quite hot, and it was a celebration outside for uh, about three hours, and uh, it, it was pretty incredible, the enthusiasm um, of the people wanting to come be a part of, of the dedication. Yes, to their joy and excitement to receive the Word of God in their heart language. And the way that they presented the Bibles, it was, it was a big deal. Um, it wasn't just go down to the local bookstore and purchase the Bible. It was a celebration. I mean, it was something they had been waiting and longing for. Yes, we will absolutely continue to support missions, especially Bible translation. For us, um, uh, well, and, and even for you, if you supported the, the ELA translation, you should open up your Uversion app that most of us have on our iPhones or Android phones and, and go to a different language. Go to the ELA language, look, listen to verses in, in, in the ELA language and just to know that you are part of that. I mean, it's, it's an, an amazing thing. God lets you be part of giving His Word to people. And, um, God speaks to us through His Word, and if you don't have His Word, then it's going to be very difficult for you to hear it. So if it's in your language, your heart language, then it's going to speak even louder and clearer. And, and I, I really feel that... Um, God allows us to give to, to missions, allows you to be a part of what He's doing in other people's lives. And if you engage, uh, just know that it's that it's um, that it's changing lives, and 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 God lets you be a part of that. It's just a miraculous thing to me. I'm Randy Wood. I'm Regina Wood. And we will give, give to go. go.
again, that's our Give to Go uh, missions offering. Uh, that'll be coming up in October. And so you'll be hearing a lot of things about that uh, moving forward towards that date. Uh, in your bulletin, you will see an announcement about our Cornhole League. Don't forget to sign up for that soon. Uh, the deadline will be not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday uh, for that. You can just scan that QR code to sign up or shoot us an email, and we can send you that link. Uh, if you have a uh, made a reservation for our Lindsay Lane 101 class right after the service today that is formerly known as our new members class, it will be over in our foundation center. And Pastor Bradley Griggs, uh, he's going to be headed over to that door right there. If you do not know where the foundation center is, he will love to escort you guys over there. And um, so if you if you uh, had a reservation for that, just see Bradley. He can get you there. Miss Suzanne Johnson, who is on our piano today, uh, she is looking for any licensed health care workers. If you are a licensed health care worker and are interested in serving on the emergency medical response team, uh, she would like to meet with you for just a brief second right at the end of the service, right up here for just a few minutes. And lastly, before we leave today, as you've seen in your bulletin, next Sunday is Team Gear Sunday. I forgot and thought it was today, and so I wore my team gear today. Uh, but I'm going to wear some different team gear next Sunday. And this is a great opportunity uh, for you to reach out into your neighborhood, a friend, a co-worker. It's going to be a casual Sunday. We're just going to have a lot of fun. Uh, doesn't have to be any particular team. If you need some gear, contact somebody, borrow something. could be some high school stuff. you got kids playing rec soccer, hockey, football, anything and everything in between. Just put on some team gear, come to church, invite some friends. It's going to be a great day. Amen? Do you all not think that's going to be fun? I think it's going to be awesome. But we've had a great day today. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, again, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you that we can come into this uh, place today and celebrate you, Lord. We uh, pray as we move out of here and move out of the seats today, God, and into our communities that we will have vision not only for our church, but uh, for your church, God, but for our uh, own neighborhoods, our own homes, and in our own heart, Lord. Again, we thank you and praise you, and we uh, pray that we'll just do all these things for your glory and for the good of man, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.